0: I know it's been a minute since I've posted a chapter. Sorry about the delays and the interruptions to your service. But things are crazy. If you want to support this podcast, which has no advertising other than this intro, buy a copy of Fortress of Shadow or any or all of the books of Starside Saga, which are available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, and Apple. They're also available in paperback. And if you were interested in a really great young adult science fiction dystopian series that's complete, try The Scion Chronicles, a series uh, by me about clones on a Caribbean island who don't know they're clones. They were created in order to be new bodies for their elderly and powerful rich progenitors. And if you're in the mood for something a little more out there, my young adult science fiction series... Bigfoot Galaxy is available. It's a trilogy, and it is an outrageously fun adventure about some at-risk youths who go on a backcountry uh, hiking excursion in the Canadian Rocky Mountains and encounter Bigfoot. But this is unlike any Bigfoot you've ever encountered because these creatures are highly technically advanced, and they live in a vast underground city Called Under Mountain, and our teen heroes get embroiled in an intergalactic war. It's really quite sensational. I'm very proud of it, and you should check it out. And if you love thriller novels, I've written one thriller under my pseudonym Eric Shaw, A R I C Shaw, called Polar Midnight. The daughter of a billionaire oil tycoon travels with him to the wastelands of Dead Horse Alaska to visit the oil fields there and finds herself amidst a Russian mercenary op to destroy the U.S. oil industry. And she, and she has to draw upon the little training she's had to how to survive a nightmare situation like that to try to fight them. And it is a sensational adventure. And it's called Polar Midnight, also available wherever ebooks are sold now let's get on with the program chapter 11 your one true love the funeral rites of paul were austere quick and ended with the deceased upon a pyre atop the garden tower few attended save the coin and a few of the decedent's friends and so it was that the heap of ash blew away in the trailing winds of a fell storm Carrying Tia Anliette into memory. Coin and Lena cared little for such rituals. When the heart and breath stopped, the soul was already in Lumni's embrace. The body was a useless husk, and burial or burning merely a practical task to get the meat out of sight before it rotted. Reginald Keel did not seem to share that opinion, for he wept openly. The coin felt compassion for him but there was no time to allow him grief. Regen, the voluptuary and I would like to discuss something with you. Would the rest of you wait near the door? Voluptuary Min's mouth was pinched, for the task ahead would be bitter indeed. Spinsters Morena, Rippa, and Helene filed away, faces solemn. Regen probably thought them overcome by the loss of their friend. The coin knew better. The task ahead weighed heavily upon them. The young man was 17 tow toe-headed, with such pale skin he might be thought ill if not for the healthy flush that colored his cheeks and throat. Wiping his eyes, he came to her. Always respectful, always serious. He had joined the way of Till just prior to the collapse of the tower. He'd forsaken that vow, but still wore one of the acolyte robes, though cut off to tunic length. Trousers from Doctown stopped mid-shin, a fine belt cinched around his slender waist to make him look as respectable as such garments could. He waited for her to speak. The voluptuary spoke instead. "'Allow me to soothe you, my son. No, I will not strip away your sacred grief. But I see that you have not slept these past few days.' "'Tia was recovering, voluptuary. She spoke just yesterday. "'I know, but that is not uncommon. Life is full of reversals, as you well know. Here, allow me.' She took his face in her hands and smiled serenely. "'A little Mercus is all. Hold still.' Regen had little Mercus power. The coin doubted he would have ascended to do had he stayed in the way of Till— but he'd surely noticed that she flared to life upon the marcosine, as did those waiting by the door. He had no chance to react. The circle formed, and the coin herself offered the combined power to the voluptuary. The flow was immensely pleasurable while it lasted. Men's efforts were practiced, swift, and effective, if not nearly so elegant as what that sigh girl could accomplish. First, she marked him. The Mercus bolts were simple combinations of scent and light, with which she etched her name into his skull beneath his skin. It did not hurt him. He felt nothing more than a strange weight settling upon him, not too heavy. The mark would allow her to track him wherever he went. Next, she formed bolts leavened with love and urgent need. The voluptuary's face went red as she felt the emotion she would implant into Reginald, perspiration beaded on her forehead. Forming such bolts outside of certain rare marriage rituals was forbidden. Even then, sensuals usually prepared for weeks to bear the feelings they had to endure in order to create the Mercus bolts. Rajan's wan face changed, from drawn and haggard to eager and energetic. He smiled and began to bounce on his toes a little. The voluptuary crooned, you are done with Tia. She had your heart for a while, but now you must return to your one true love. Do you know who that is? The eagerness vanished. He shook his head, trying to fight the press of emotion the voluptuary was provoking in him. I—no, not her. Taking more power from the circle, the voluptuary probed deeper into Ragin's mind. She was not particularly skilled, for such things were not well understood to the ways. Your one true love, son, you know who she is. Say her name and let your devotion be sealed. He fought it. The coin was rather impressed by how long he fought it. But by degrees, his face relaxed until he beamed with holy devotion. Who is she? Who is your one true love? Kyla Sai, he confessed. It has always been Kyla Sai. And so it shall always be. The Atlan drawn wagon had been waiting, the travel packs each woman would bring already on board. The drive through the Ash Barrens to Kill's Keep took three hours due to the mud. Regen rocked back and forth the whole time, trying to lend the birds speed. The coin assured him several times that this was indeed faster than a ship he must trust. Along with the voluptuary and the coin were spinster Morina and sensual Rune. They knew the mission. They were committed. Kyla is the highest of kill, Reginald crowed as they entered Kill's keep. They were met by a ragtag band of hopeless folk. They had come here to find the highest, to enter the way of kill. They had found an empty keep, no food, and no leader. They watched with blank stares as the coin led her party through the keep and to the descending stair. Half an hour later, the party came to the center of the Dursland wheel. Sensual Whiten greeted them somberly. He had a little camp set up there. Tables, chairs, baskets of fruit, and links of smoked sausage to sustain him. "'I have deciphered another symbol,' he said, showing her a list. "'It leads to Ititi and the Shutterlins.' "'Well done, sensual,' the voluptuary said. "'Now, please open this one,' she said, pointing. "'You're sure she's there?' Reginald asked, brow creased with anxious worry. I need to see her. I need her now. I've received notice in coin code from Starside this morning. She has gone to Tearling for the Shadline gathering. Be swift, Reginald. The Shadline are not to be trusted. Kyla is pressed from all sides by those who seek to use her. Ah, me. Sensual Whiten approached one of the strange columns, then began to walk in a circle, waving for Reginald to follow. The columns are never in the same place, Whiton said. Let's see. We're looking for a great block with two slits and a maw. They continued to walk around the circle until Whiton abruptly stopped. Immediately he brought forth Mercus bolts of need. The man was moderately powerful in his own right, and he'd made a quick study of the forbidden senses and feelings since the voluptuary had charged him with opening portals here. A shimmer appeared in front of the column, then shined in a vertical line so bright the coin had to look away. When it faded, she discovered a fiery opening in the air where the column had been. Remarkable. On the other side was a Dursland cavern. Reginald did not hesitate before stepping through. Whiten released his feet, and the portal squeezed out of existence. "'And you?' he asked the voluptuary wanton. Of course, voluptuary. You recall the bolts for the portal so you can return? Yes. The The process repeated, and the voluptuary, accompanied by spinster Morina, disappeared through Whiten's next portal. He wiped his brow and took a swig of wine before nodding politely to the coin. She'd known her destination at the instant her plan had formed. Paul had smiled upon them in this regard, allowing Whiten to discover her desired destination early in his research. Tordane. but you must allow me to open the portal. I wish to practice, for we will be moving on from there. Of course. He handed her a copy of his list, a directory of all the known symbols. Ten had destinations next to them. She found the one for Tordane and made the circuit of columns until she found the two circles connected by a horizontal line. The bolts formed reluctantly, and she fumbled with them for a few minutes. But soon, the tear in the air formed. She stepped through, her companion sensual rune following close behind. She stepped into another Dursland wheel. The air was cool, dry, scentless. The scholarly part of her mind the one so taken with books and ideas when she was younger, wished desperately to bask in the miracle of traveling so far so quickly. But there was no time for that, no time for anything. The young, sensual rune, barely eighteen, but apparently unshakable, merely glanced around. Shall we? Yes. Would you provide the light? Voluptuary Min suggested I have you practice your feats whenever possible. The coin and the voluptuary had decided each to travel with an underling from their opposite way. This would smooth negotiations in places where one had stronger presence than the other, and each had different skills. Sen's rune produced a murkish light, rather feebly at first, and floated it ahead of them as they walked into darkness.